This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Andy Dunphy. On Monday evening, in the House of Commons, the Foreign Secretary Liz Truss introduced some legislation. It was to do with the Northern Ireland Protocol. The legislation was expected, but it wasn't expected to be as severe as it was and to be such a huge breach of international law. Today, the European Commission has responded and has launched legal proceedings on two grounds and unfrozen another case that they'd paused. So Britain now faces serious consequences for their abandonment, effectively, of the treaty between the EU and Britain, the Brexit Treaty. At the same time, it had a problem last night when a plane, a Boeing, that was due to take off for Rwanda, was unable to go because there was no passengers. They had all been granted appeals and the plane was sitting until 11 o'clock last night. This government in Britain appears to be encountering problems wherever it moves. We're joined now by Chris Johns, former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland, now a respected commentator, to discuss this. Chris, this government is making itself looked very foolish. There was a scathing editorial in the Financial Times yesterday which talked of Brexit zealots being appeased by mistrust. It also described this legislation and its demands as being for the benefit of English right-wingers, not unionists. You, you really seem to hit the nail on the head. It's two or three years now since you described Johnson's cabinet as right-wing hacks, journalists and after-dinner speakers. It's very funny and I've used it too much probably on this podcast. But it is accurate. It may be out of date because they're worse than they were. Yeah, I think that this is a a descent into the next circle of hell. Um, This is what happens when the dog actually does catch the car. The original Brexit referendum, we're now coming up to the sixth anniversary And this shower of uh, journalists and what have you um, never intended, never thought that Brexit would ever actually happen. And they've been bewildered 
and chasing their tails ever since, wondering what to do with it. And this latest manifestation of Brexit is essentially, as the Financial Times rightly said, all about the the, the right wing of the Conservative Party, which frankly is the Conservative Party these days. You've got two main actors on this stage. You've got Boris Johnson, who's trying to appease them to keep his job, um, and that's all that he's doing. Um, you and I have spoken many times about the way in which Downing Street is, is all about managing the next day's headlines in yeah. the media, not about serious policy. And that, quite frankly, they got the headline that they wanted from in the various newspapers today. The Times, the London Times, is perhaps one example where the, the banner headline was Europe stops Rwanda flights. So he got what he wanted, which is that big bad wolf Europe is now to blame for all of these woes when it comes to the, the Rwanda flights. The and irony in that, Chris, is the European Court of Human Rights was set up largely by British lawyers after the Second World War, and Johnson's hero, Winston Churchill, was a great supporter of it, and it's based in Strasbourg. It's nothing at all to do with the other court they hate, the European Court in general. Yeah, it's not the European Court of Justice. This is the European Court of Human Rights, which predates that, as you rightly say. Britain is a signal, signatory to the European Court of Human Rights, and Johnson most malevolently dropped several hints uh, yesterday about how Britain might withdraw from that um, treaty that, that he signed, the, the Human Rights Treaty. And the Conservatives have long threatened to replace it with a British Bill of Rights. And this is, that's just one example of uh, really them saying, stop the world, I want to get off. Because modern uh, political relationships between countries, between trading blocs, are all about agreements, about signing up to them and adhering to them. And each one that Britain finds that it signs, itself signed up to seems to be a problem for global Britain these days. And so going your own way is, is the way that he seems to think that he can go. But of course, you can't, because whatever, um, whatever you think, that this is a world of in interrelated relationships where, where treaties do matter, where international law does matter. Um, I mentioned Johnson as the, one of the two main actors on this stage. The other, of course, is Liz Truss, and she is going hell-bent for leather with the Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, her, uh, her fingerprints are all over this because she's playing to the same audience as Johnson. She's saying, if you replace him, replace him with me, because I will give you what you need, what you want. And so we, we have two people in the highest reaches of British government playing a very dangerous game that has got nothing to do with Northern Ireland. It's got nothing to do with Great Britain. It's got nothing to do with the way in which the country is being run. It has got everything to do with the leadership of the Conservative Party. Johnson is adopting a strategy simply to be in place, to try and be in place, um, going into the next general election. And Truss is simply saying, replace him with me. And this is the, the game audience, that they're playing. Just to, to explain, that audience is the European Research Group. It's a group of hardline right-wingers, Brexiteers, and on Northern Ireland and on that protocol hardline as well. You can't give them too much red meat. Let's be, be clear about this. In terms of the wider British population, sadly, the Northern Ireland Protocol doesn't resonate at all. I doubt whether anybody has 
any interest or care for, for this piece of legislation, for this part of the Brexit treaty. Um, all that people really see are um, headlines about Europe being horrible now, not letting the British government do something with this very strange place, Northern Ireland. It's not something that cuts through or resonates with the British electorate at all. You mentioned the European Research Group, the ERG. It's very significant that members of that group and ex-members of that group, hardliners, um, are not on board with Johnson. You, you know the, the character Steve Baker, the very powerful yes. backbench MP yeah. that, you, that um, is a Brexiteer hardliner. They're, they're, he and others like him want Johnson out, and I don't think they're going to be appeased by this. Um, because remember, the electorate for the next Conservative leader, should we get an election, and I still think that there's a strong possibility that we will, a la Lord Hammond, and um, Truss is saying that I am going to be the, the person that you, you must elect. And she's appealing not just to the ERG, but to, to other constituents on the backbenches. But, but equally importantly, of course, the, the election of the next leader of the Conservative Party under the rules will involve a vote from the members of the Conservative Party in the country at large. Then, and they tend to be also in this hard-right Brexiteering camp. So this is the, the game that's afoot. Uh, one of the extraordinary things about all of this, of course, is that Johnson seems to think that nobody in Europe knows any of this. And there, there are a couple of aspects that's very important to, to understand how Brussels is looking at this. Brussels thinks that there's a good chance that uh, Johnson is a dead man walking. He's, he's in, in office, but not in power. He's just beholden to these backbench MPs for as long as he is there now. And that anything that he signs won't be worth the paper that it's written on because, A, he won't be there, and, B, stuff that he signs, specifically this legislation. The Brexit deal itself is, um, is, is being reneged upon. So uh, it's, it, 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 Brussels will be very wary of Johnson now and in terms of anything that he, he, he says or does in terms of any renegotiation because they do... So the, the commission today said that they stand ready as well as introducing legal proceedings against the British government. Um, they stand ready to negotiate further, and, and they, they do. I suspect they would be playing an even harder game, playing hardball, if it wasn't for the Ukraine situation. They're very worried about uh, Europe, Europe, including the UK, presenting a united front. Um, so it, it's, it's tricky in the extreme for Brussels to try and manage this middle path, but I suspect that they would have been talk, muttering about a trade war now if it wasn't for the Ukraine war. So I, I do think um, Brussels has, has a delicate path to, to tread, um, and I, they're, but they're not going to believe a single word that this man says. Yes. They're not, they don't trust him, and um, they really are going to try and wait him out now until the next leader and they are aware as anybody. It's almost as if in, in Downing Street and, and Westminster generally, they assume that Brussels um, somehow or other doesn't read the British newspapers. They know that the next person they're going to deal with could well be Liz Truss, and it's going to be just as difficult. So they, they really do um, have to play a longer game here with, with Ukraine in mind, but also with one eye on who's going to replace Johnson should, should he be replaced. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. He seems to have hollowed out the Tory party. I just saw about an hour ago Phil Hammond, now Lord Hammond, who had the whip taken off him. He was a more traditional type of Tory. He was the Chancellor of the Exchequer, known as Spreadsheet Phil, and that was a derisory reference to maybe his work ethic. But what you've got are people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, Matt Hancock, now temporarily out of the cabinet, Pretty Patel, Liz Truss, Dominic Rabb, who stayed on the beach during the botched evacuation of Afghanistan. Liberals, people of substance who don't agree with him or might disapprove of him, they're out. It's just these kind of... Well, in the case of Rwanda, for example, that idea, it is really back of a cigarette packet stuff, isn't it? Well, the, the, I think Stephen Bush, who's the political editor of the FT, we mentioned that newspaper once or twice already, put it very well this morning when he said that what we've got is not a government that likes to virtue signal, it likes to vice signal. Yes. And that's how nasty and horrible this has become. Yes. They know that there is a certain constituency in the UK, both on the backbenches in the country at large. It's small but significant enough for them in terms of, again, the electorate of the Conservative leader. There are people who think the Rwanda policy is a good idea. The vast majority of people think it's terrible. Prince Charles, 
you know, described it as, as an appalling policy. And I do think that's how the majority of Brits, my fellow Brits, do, do consider it. It's, it's absurd and it's cruel. But as, as Stephen Bush, the political editor of the FT, put it, it's vice signaling. And this, yes. is, this is the awful game that these people are playing. In order to um, achieve personal advancement, they've got to, to portray themselves, and perhaps they really are, I don't know, but they seem to have to portray themselves as signaling just how hardball they are willing to play with other people's lives. Yes, they don't appear either to have control of the DUP in the North, for whose benefit, well, they're one of the beneficiaries of Liz Truss's new legislation, in theory, they aren't budging. So is the sort of the tail wagging the dog? Well, like a lot of the policies that are announced by Downing Street, this new piece of legislation, um, a lot of very seasoned commentators think that they don't actually intend for it to pass because it has to go through all sorts of different committee stages and various voting procedures yes. in the House of Commons and also the House of Lords. There's, there's a, a lot of water to flow under the bridge. And it's another one of those cars that they actually hope not to catch. Um, I suspect that if it eventually did pass, they would be as surprised as anybody. Most people think that it won't because um, there are a lot of Conservative MPs still, um, believe it or not, who think that it, it, it is a, a, a terrible idea. It, it's all about signalling. It's all about posturing. It's really about performative government. I mean, it's not yes. about serious policy. So this is, this is and, and they have there's so much form in this regard. We've talked about it so many different times. They're getting the headlines that they want, but I, th I, I can't believe that they actually seriously believe that uh, a trade war with the European Union is a good idea or that putting people on aeroplanes is, um, and taking them to Rwanda is, is a very good idea. Um, there's, and there's an awful lot of confusion about what the Rwanda policy actually is. There was a remarkable moment on a, on a national radio program this morning, somebody called James O'Brien, you've probably heard of him, yes. he's a very well-known um, chat show host, in which um, somebody uh, who claimed to be at the heart of this um, Rwanda policy in terms of its implementation, actually flying people out, said to him, of course, James, one of the things that, that happens is that if these people who are sent to Rwanda are then deemed to have a case for living in the UK, that they are deemed to be genuine refugees, we will bring them back to the UK. And yes. of course, O'Brien pointed out, um, as, as a lot of people don't seem to know, that when they are deemed to be genuine refugees, they will stay in Rwanda. They will not be allowed to come to the UK. This is a most cruel and unusual form of punishment for these people. And it, 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 I'm not sure that it is going to, it hasn't so far stood up to scrutiny in the European courts. There is a review going on in the UK legal system. The, 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 the courts here have allowed it to happen uh, despite many legal challenges, but it is subject to a, something called a judicial review. And, and the, that will conclude in a few weeks' time, and it will remain to be seen how that pans out. Yes, so it, there is. I mean, um, it, it's been it's known that the people who were due to go on that flight last night, among them Iraqi Kurds, Iranians, that their appeals would be the result of their appeals would be known in July. Unfortunately, they will be in Rwanda. I mean, ab surely absolutely, they shouldn't go to Rwanda at all. I think most people 
Well, I'm, I'm not sure. The, the opinion poll in Britain showed it was 50-50, really, and 70% of Tories approve of the Rwanda policy, which is really, is really interesting. The divisions in... What's happening to Britain, Chris? The well, it's not interesting. In, in, it, it's not interesting, Eamon. It's, it's, it's profoundly disturbing. Yes, it but, is, but it's still a country, you know, if you look at, for example, the British government and Johnson in particular's response to Ukraine, it's been more proactive than other European countries, and they were first out of the traps to send weapons. One has to put that into the equation, but... There's a cheapness and an anger that is, you know, I suppose Rees Mogg in a way personifies it, the contempt for other people. Yeah, and I, I, I really don't think that uh, um, you can exaggerate the extent to which this is a descent into uh, a political abyss that um, is dragging the country with it is dragging too many people. You mentioned 50% seem to approve of this. I find that an appalling statistic, personally. Uh, I, I can't imagine the thinking going on. It was a um, Newsnight poll. It was 40, 40, and 20 who didn't know. Yeah, um, I, I guess you'd, we'd have to speak to those people themselves who, who think that it's a good idea. Um, it, if you take a step back from all of this and think about the, the, the cruelty in, involved in this, and um, the way in which immigration generally is, is, is an issue in the UK, um, it, 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 it was so salient during the Brexit referendum, and yet immigration since the Brexit referendum, since we actually did Brexit, has gone up, not down. The pattern of immigration has changed. We get less from Europe, and we get more from the rest of the world now, um, and nobody seems that bothered about it. It's a very peculiar issue. But when a country with so many people that think such a cruel and um, a really quite vicious policy makes sense. I think it says something about a country, quite frankly. It's my country. You know, I am British. Listen to my accent. And, and you know, as you can probably tell, I find it very difficult to, A, understand it, B, explain it, um, and C, uh, leaves me feeling very uncomfortable with, with, with the country as, as it currently is. I can only imagine that it, it, it must be akin to an American sitting there looking at Donald Trump probably coming back to office in two and a bit years' time and thinking about what is happening to my country. Britain is not yet as close to a civil war as the United States. Um, and I use those words carefully. I, I do think the United States is dangerously close mm. to one with Trumpism. We're nowhere near that stage yet. But we're taking baby steps down that road we're certainly taking steps down the road to becoming a, a, a country that is the opposite to the one in which I grew up and the one in which my parents grew up, a country of tolerance, um, a country of fairness, and a country of laws. Because, you know, on all of those criteria, we're not ticking the boxes anymore. We are breaking international law. The Northern Ireland Protocol, um, it's been very clear. There was a letter in the London Times this morning from two law lords and the head of the law faculty at Cambridge University, an eminent professor, who stated without equivocation, without any caveats, that this does break international law. Um, and a government that says, well, really says, so what? 
Um, so this is new, new. This is different. This is not the country that I thought I knew. Um, and it, it, it's, it, it's very, very uncomfortable for people like me. And the possibility to lie to the public. I mean, this afternoon, Maro Sefcovic, the EU negotiator over Brexit, for Connor Burns, the Minister for State at the Northern Ireland office, has been in the United States. He's been around the TV studios in Britain and he's been hauling out of his bag a huge pile of papers, over 350 pages, he claims. At his press conference today, Sefcovic pulled three sheets of paper and this is what you need to fill out. Whereas Burns had this absurd claim that you'd have to fill out 300 pages. In other words, that the protocol was unworkable, was causing problems, and that the EU wouldn't negotiate. In fact, the EU put proposition on the table in February, and Britain has refused to negotiate since February. So they're playing a game with their own people about something the average British person wouldn't know anything about. The Northern Protocol is complex enough for those of us who are paid to look at it. But for the average British person, it's really easy to fool them. So the British public is being lied to. They can't be expected to understand the legalese around all of this. So one of the things that the, the, the British government did in its um, legislation, it talked about a concept of something called necessity, which has a very specific meaning in terms of all of the human rights legislation that they're supposed to have signed up to. And you might remember somebody called Jonathan Jones. He was the head of the government's legal service until he resigned over the fact that the government is breaking the law yes. um, over a different issue last year. And he had this to say about the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill. It is one of the most extraordinary pieces of legislation I have ever seen. The legal position is hopeless, he argues. Now, there is a concept in human rights law of necessity when the government, and this is what this British government have uh, cited in terms of the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill, and this is where the British people, I guess, and most people would switch off because we're getting into legalese. But it's a legal concept with a very specific technical meaning that they are citing. And it, it, it's an extremely high test. They're arguing it's necessary. And Jones says, John, Jonathan Jones, QC, that's the equivalent in Ireland of an SC, says that necessity only applies where a state must act to safeguard its essential interests against grave and imminent peril. This is where it gets ridiculous, Eamon. Yeah. How is this agreement? As Jonathan Jones says, an agreement willingly entered into only in 2020, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson described as a fantastic moment. But how is it already proving so disastrous as to represent grave peril to the country? Because that's what they are suggesting it is. It's, it's theatre of the absurd. Um, and as you say, they haven't gone through the various ways in which they could have negotiated with um, Brussels. Remember, we, you and I and so many other people had discussions through the course of last year about triggering Article 16. Do you remember yes. that one? They could have done that, they could have, but they're not yes. even. Yeah. They're not even doing that. That was the nuclear option last year, but they bypassed pressing the nuclear button, and they've gone DEFCON four on this. This is how extreme it is. They are going to the most extreme, most ridiculous, most absurd 
place at the earliest opportunity, mostly for theatrical reasons. And it's, it's very disturbing. It's wrong. It's illegal. As I say, there are law lords writing to the Times, professors of law, people like Jonathan Jones, former head of the government legal department, saying this is illegal. The FT leader that you cited earlier on saying it's illegal. So if you just think about it for more than a second, this is a country willingly and openly breaking international law. It's a very uncomfortable place for, pe- for British people like myself to find ourselves in. Well, let me ask you a final question, Chris. People have been looking at the economic prospects of the various countries, and Britain is going to be, in terms of growth and its economy, only Russia will be below it this year. So its economy is now, Russia apart, the worst in the OECD and the worst of all the the major nations. Surely that is a a problem that could prove, along with the two by-elections which are being held next Thursday, could prove the end of him, of this guy who is really responsible for it. Let's be careful about um, uh, forecasting the demise of Johnson. I, I, I really don't want to be caught out by trying to do, do that again. But we're, we're now into the area of economics. You know, the legal side of things is, is, is one thing that leaves me feeling uncomfortable, A, because I'm not qualified, and B, because it looks so blooming awful. But economics is something that I can talk about. And the UK economy is now widely described um, amongst all sorts of economic commentators and this serious people as the sick man of Europe, yes. which really is a situation that it was in a long time ago. The situation for the UK economy, the reason why they joined the European Union or the European Economic Community as it was back then in 1973, is that from the end of the Second World War to the beginning of the 1970s, Britain went through economic hell and frankly just fell behind all of its European American and Asian and one or two Asian countries as well, and it, it and since Brexit, guess what? It's doing exactly the same thing again. Um, in April, the British economy contracted. It's going to be one of the slowest growing and highest inflation economies going forward, and that's got. There are lots of reasons for that, but number one is this dopey policy called Brexit that they have pursued. Uh, Johnson is bouncing off walls when it comes to economic policy. One of the things that was also banner headlines in the Times today is that he wants to do battle with Sunak over corporation tax. One of the other pieces of red meat he wants to throw his right wing is to show them how positive he is about business, notwithstanding some very rude words he said about business in the past. He wants to reverse all of the tax increase. So economic policy, like an awful lot of policies in Britain, the, the Northern Ireland Protocol, Rwanda, economic policy is consistent with all of them. It 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 isn't a coherent strategy. He's bouncing off walls. He's making up things as he goes along. There's nothing coherent about it. And it is leading to slow economic um, erosion of Britain's place in the world. The British economy is between 1.5% and 4% of GDP smaller than it needed to be as a result of Brexit. That's going to get worse. It has the highest inflation rate in Europe of the European majors. Um, it's, It's a very poor situation. If he goes to the country on economic performance he'll lose. Okay, Chris, uh, we're very grateful to you for joining us and at least two of his representatives who are going to the country next Thursday in Tiverton, in Devon and in Wakefield, which is up in Yorkshire. And 
if he loses both of those by-elections, well, the Tiverton would be quite spectacular. They have a majority of 24,000. We'll see what happens. We're very grateful to you for joining us. That's Chris Johns. We're grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.